Hey guys, it's your host Julian. This week I'm sitting down with background artist for King of the Hill, Chuck Maiden. We talk how Chuck got on the King of the Hill, and then we close out the conversation with American Dead. I want to give a special shout out to a couple of our patrons that help make this podcast possible. Bill, Brent, Patrick, and Jacob. Thank you all so much for your support. It truly means a lot. If you want to become a patron and help support this show, check out the show notes below and sign up today. Now, let's get on to my chat with Chuck. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What's My Podcast. I'm Julian. Today I'm joined by Chuck. Chuck, man, long time coming. Welcome to the show. Hey, Julian. Great to be here. Oh, man, it's great to have you here. Ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing our King of the Hill deep dive for this episode right here with Chuck. Now, your name was dropped, excuse me, by Chuck Austin. And once Chuck had mm-hmm. these beautiful things to say about you, like, what, fuck, man, I love backgrounds. I got to figure out what's going mm-hmm. on with Chuck and what Chuck was doing. So I would love to know, man, how did you come from watching the show to working on the show? Oh, wow. So, yeah, well, I definitely remember the first time I saw the show. It was when it started airing in January of 97. Um, it came on. I don't know if I, I looked for it. It was just kind of on. And I knew it was a Mike Judge show. And I had the same reaction I had to the first time I saw Beavis and Butthead, which was just instant laughter. Yeah. I saw the opening of Beavis and Butthead with them chuckling. I just instantly started laughing. I couldn't help <laughs> it. And so... King of the Hill was exactly the same thing. It was the episode in the first season. can't remember the name of the episode, but where um, Luann was crying with mascara running down her cheeks. Mm-hmm. And Hank was like, I tried to fix her like a carburetor. <laughs> um, I was just, I was like, oh my God, this is just so funny. And I just love uh, Mike Judge's, the way his mind works and his humor. So that was the first time I saw it. And little did I know that about three months later, I would actually be working on the show. I, I still look back on that and just like blown away. Like, how did that happen? You know? So, and um, I got lucky, you know? <laughs> so, so uh, what was that spark for you went from watching to three months later, you're working on the show? What what happened in those three well, months? It was my first job in animation. And I was 43 years old at the time. I just turned 70. So I was a... I was still a young man, but I was, you know what I mean? It was kind of late to be starting a career, but um, I've always been interested in animation since I was a kid and um, wanted to work in cartoons when I was like as young as four or five years old Mm -hmm. Um, and got sidetracked and got into music in my teens and stuff. So I pursued a career in music as a singer songwriter and uh, very seriously and just very competitive and tough, but I had a lot of fun, but never, nothing ever happened. But so in my 30s, I told I always told myself in my 30s, by the time I get to like 35, which is almost what your age almost is, <laughs> yeah. um, I will uh, try something else. You know, I'll mm-hmm. try art because I remember being interested in art. So I did. And I what I ended up doing was uh, going back to, uh, I went to uh, graphic design school because I was like, what can I do to make a living in art? I didn't really think that I could, you know. I didn't know what what the options were really. So I thought, well, maybe I could at least design logos or letterheads or something. Yeah. You know, so I went to graphic design school and uh, just to like a technical college. Didn't wanted to do it fast, you know, did it in like nine months and uh, learned Photoshop there. And this is when, this is the early 90s when computers were just starting to happen. And uh, I love Photoshop as well as the other apps like Illustrator and stuff. And I uh, ended up working for a short time as a graphic designer, uh, designing uh, a Sunday inserts for the LA Times for a uh, electronic superstore called uh, LA Tronics. 
and uh it just paid shit you know i made like i don't know seven bucks an hour or something like that jesus and it was part-time you know it was like 20 hours a week or something i was like well this isn't very good but at least i am working as a graphic designer and then uh, my sister had followed my older sister followed my footsteps she's a good artist too and so she went to the same graphic design school and then i was kind of trying to help her find a job so i was looking in the paper one day at the one ads and i go hey um Hey, Becky, here's a, uh, an ad for Photoshop artists. I said, I have no idea what it is, but, you know, check it out, you know. So she went and did check it out, and it turned out it was Malibu Comics in Calabasas, which was near where I lived. And, um, and they were looking for comic book colorists. And so she went down there, and she got the job. Or, or she told me about it, and she, she said, they're giving tests, you know. And I was like, oh, God, I don't even know how to do that, you know. And, and she go, I go, well, how many colors do they need? She goes, they need like seven. So I go, well, maybe I'll go try too. So we, we both, long story short, we both ended up getting jobs at Malibu Comics, uh, uh, coloring comic books uh, for the Ultraverse. And then we ended up later when Marvel bought us doing Marvel Comics coloring. Um, and that just turned into a big game changer for me. It, it didn't mm -hmm. pay very good at first, but it got a little bit better, better later. Um, and I worked there from 94 to the beginning of 97, around the time I saw that first King of the Hill episode. And a bunch of people, what happened was uh, Marvel bought us for a while, and they ended up um, hiring a company in Ireland to do their coloring for cheaper. And so that just busted up Malibu Comics, because we were like the last department left there. And yeah. um, so... Um, so a bunch of people are getting jobs in animation. And I was like, wow, could that be a possibility? Could I work in animation, you know? So I took some a couple classes, you know, in background design and life drawing and and background painting. And I uh, thought maybe I could be a background painter because that was always kind of my dream. I always loved the backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, I cobbled together somewhat of a portfolio and started shopping it around, dropping copies of the my portfolio off, you know, color copies in a binder off to the different studios, not really getting anything. And I went to uh, Film Roman where I knew they did The Simpsons. And I, I knew that they started doing King of the Hill there, which I loved, you know, and um, didn't hear back from him, you know. And, and Jay Francis was this really cool guy who worked at Film Roman. He was the recruiter there. And um, I called back. You know, I was I was pretty proactive. You know, I called back a couple of weeks later. I was still thinking this isn't really going to happen, but what else can I do? I'm unemployed. I got to try something. So I uh, called back a couple of weeks later and talked to the receptionist. I said, could I talk to Jay Francis? I said, I'm just curious if you guys, if he had a chance to look at my portfolio. So um <clears throat> got put on hold for a minute. And then Jay came on. He said, hey, Chuck, this is Jay. He goes, I'm so sorry. We can't find your portfolio. <laughs> And I go, oh, bummer. I go, well, that's okay. I'll bring another, you know. He goes, okay, cool. You know, so I brought one, dropped it off, and uh, <clears throat> got home, checked my messages. This is before cell phones. Uh, checked my <laughs> messages on my answering machine. Like, hey, th this is Jay Francis. Hey, Chuck, um, we wanted to see if you're interested in a, um, taking a test for The Simpsons or uh, King of the Hill. And I was like, holy shit. You know, what? <laughs> so I literally, right after I got home, drove all the way back there and saw him. And he, he said he had a test in, in each hand. And he goes, do you want to take a test for backgrounds? 
He goes, we're not looking for background painters. Cause that's what I was looking for. And I, I didn't even know background layout was a thing. I didn't know anything about animation really. And he goes, you want to take a test for the Simpsons or you want to take a test for King of the Hill. And you know, those opportunities just don't come along every day. So I said, well, I just love King of the Hill. So let me do King of the Hill. And even though I love the Simpsons too, King of the Hill, like really, you know, I got off on that show. And so I went home and just busted my ass over the test, went and got a light box. I, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know <laughs> that I could use a pencil and eraser to do the test. I thought I had to be finished with a nice pen and which made it way harder. Yeah. So <laughs> I got through the, and I, I actually called my friend at the end of I said, this isn't going to happen. I, I'm not good at this. You know, I don't think I can do this. He goes, you got to turn this test in, just finish it and turn it in. Otherwise you'll never know. So I, I was about to throw it in the trash, but I uh, finished the test, turned it in with a little white out to fix my mistakes and stuff and uh, turned it in. And uh, then didn't hear back for a few weeks, you know. In the meantime, I had I I applied for a job at a video game company as an art director, which had, another thing I felt totally unqualified for. Um, but you know, I was just trying. And uh, then my wife and I at the time, my wife at the time and I just said, let's just drive to Seattle because I used to live in Seattle for a while. Let's just drive up there and just get the hell out of here. I'm tired of looking for a job, you know. And so I started driving. Well, on the way, I stopped to check my messages at a phone booth, <laughs> and um, they wanted to hire me as an art director at this video game company. I was like, what? And the guy, he said, yeah. you know." I said, well, I'm on my way to Seattle. I'll be back in a week. He goes, okay, just come and see us. You know. I said, well, that's cool. And then I get to Seattle, and I'm visiting my sister and brother-in-law, and uh, we're staying at their apartment. And uh, all of a sudden, Pat, my brother-in-law, goes, Hey, Chuck, phone's for you. I go, what? And um, He goes, yeah, phone's for you. Because I had left an outgoing message on my phone where I was going to be and everything. And uh, it's uh, Mike Wolf. He goes, mm. hey, Chuck, this is Mike Wolf at Film Roman. Uh, we really liked your test. And we want to know if you'd like to work on King of the Hill as a background layout artist. And I just, it's just one of those once in a lifetime moments where your spirit just soars through your up into the skies, you know, did it feel and real? I was like definitely. Um, it felt real and unreal at the same time. And I, I still kind of get chills when I think about it. Mm -hmm. um, but it was like, wow, finally something really went right in my life, you know, <laughs> after, <laughs> you know, struggling for so many years, trying to figure out what I wanted to do and everything. So, uh, yeah. So, um, Told me the start date was April 26, 1997. I still remember the date. And, and then the fear set in, like, oh my God, I'm gonna, they're not gonna, you know, they're they're gonna see that I don't know what I'm doing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's just go in there and see what happens. So I I went, I went there and sat in the lobby, the little tiny film room was kind of a crappy building i don't know you've probably heard before but you know it stains on the carpets and yeah <laughs> you know, elevators that didn't work good and stuff and so i'm sitting in there in there i go wow this is where they do the simpsons and the king of the hill you know it just didn't seem very glamorous or anything but um so i sat down next to james mcdermott who uh went on to become a character 
designer on the show, and also Bob's Burgers and Rick and Morty. And uh, he's done very well. He was 19 at the time. Jeez. First animation gig. And uh, we ended up having cubicles next to each other for that first. It was actually the second season we were working on. But uh, so um, showed me to my cubicle. And then I proceeded to sit around for two weeks with nothing to do until because they weren't ready for me. The storyboard was was a fiasco. It was Martin Archer's. Uh, he was the director and Wes Archer's brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, things were just unorganized. He was he was struggling. One of his storyboard artists wasn't that good, and um, so I ended up designing a lot of the backgrounds myself as I drew them. And it was just like trial by fire. Um, but God, it was fun. It was so fun. I would just I just pinch myself every day, and I I wasn't. I think I was just good enough to get the job. I was lucky that they were looking for a lot of artists at the time. Yeah, you know. So animation was kind of short-staffed in those days and uh, i was just very lucky and just the timing was right but uh, i got pretty good over time you know i still wanted to be a a background painter um which i ended up getting to do you know in the uh, third season so yeah so that was my started film at uh king of the hill what's really cool and uh, i I wrote i wrote a couple things down that i wanted to circle back to um the first one is, is kind of I, I try to stay away from these type of questions because it is hard to remember for so long. But I, I think with something as seminal as The Simpsons and something as seminal as The King of the Hill, it might be pretty vivid. Um, but with you being a a civilian outside of animation at that point when you're watching mm-hmm. King of the Hill and, and you're watching uh, uh, The Simpsons, what was it like talking with your adult friends? Was The Simpsons – The Simpsons is a phenomenon, right? But what yeah. was it like – back then this is like eight years after you know the simpsons is really starting to hit their yeah. stride mm-hmm. but what was it like like was that a, a t- always a topic of discussion with the simpsons and adult animation um you know it's just it was just it was just part of pop culture at the time mm-hmm. um um i i talked to a lot I, when people ask what i did i very proudly said i work on king of the hill you know yeah um and a lot of people didn't know the show you know and i get this a lot oh i've never heard of that but i love the simpsons yeah do you know anybody who works on the Simpsons? i go well they're downstairs yeah uh and it, it funny funny enough it, it when i started working on american dad it was kind of the same i don't know if this is answering your question but when i started working on american dad it was the same thing i i've never seen american dad but i love family guy, I love family I guy. The same. Yeah. It was, so it's always like the ugly stepsister uh show you know yeah. but Still very proud, but um, I'm not sure if I, I I understand the gist of your your question. There, oh but. no, what what I was getting at because uh, they have been, you know, whenever you hear animation, like you always hear adult, like we want more adult animation, we want more stuff that mm-hmm. are geared toward adults. You got Rick and Morty, you got Bob's Burgers, you know. Sure. So there's been an explosion of adult themed yeah. animation over the last couple years. Oh, but yeah. I'm curious, is was that same sentiment? back then when the Simpsons were hot and heavy, was it just, we want nothing but the Simpsons or was there really a push between, you know, we really want adult animation. Did you ever hear that from, you know, just talking about the Simpsons and King of the Hill with your friends? No, I don't think so. I think, I think people just look at it as an alternative form of entertainment, you know, Mm. and um, it was, it definitely filled a need, you know, and what, what I immediately thought of at the time, because it was primetime animation basically was, I was, I'm old enough to remember the Flintstones when they came mm. on the air. 
it was a big deal. That yeah. show was a huge deal. It was a primetime animated sitcom. And um, it was like, whoa, this has never happened before. And so to me, it, it wasn't like that new because I remember the Flintstones and then the Jetsons mm -hmm. after that. So um, I, I don't know. It just, you, it's like we just all kind of took it in stride, just like all the great music of the 60s and the 70s and stuff. Yeah. You were there. But it was just like, well, this is just what it is, you know. Yeah, I've I've always been fascinated. I'm working on a I'm working on a, a video um, for next month, and uh, the Simpsons are playing a huge part into it. Um, the The other thing I wanted to circle back to um, was what was so endearing about that that first time you saw King of the Hill. Like, what made it pop out? What made it stand out to you? Um. Well, first, the first scene I saw, because I tuned in the middle of the episode, was Luann's mm -hmm. voice, voiced by Brittany Murphy, which was yeah. just genius, one of a kind. And uh, Hank Hill, voiced by Mike Judge. Those two voices and their acting abilities and the writing, I, I just never seen anything like it. I, it was just so damn funny. Here was this square hick, you know, Hank Hill. Yeah trying to grapple with the emotions of Luann and just failing miserably and so uncomfortably. You could just see his discomfort. And mm -hmm. that's to me, that's what really was the heart of the show that made it so funny was Hank's discomfort with modern society. Yeah. And just wanting things to be straight and fit in a box, you know? Um, so I, I guess that was the funniest thing that struck me. Yeah, it it is interesting in watching King of the Hill, seeing him struggle with that. The world is changing, and you know, getting older, you can kind of see that now. Like I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm like, things aren't the way they used to be. So, getting to draw that correlation with a character like Hank, like man, I kind of understand what Hank was going through. Um, with uh, with that pencil test, do you remember what your pencil test was? You know, did you have to do yeah, a walk yeah, cycle? It was, was it background? I definitely remember it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a background layout test, um, and it was three backgrounds we had to draw. And they, it was very organized. Um, probably Wes Archer put it together, I guess, or somebody. Um, and it was three backgrounds. One was, and they were from pre-existing, from, from previous episodes and actual episodes. Uh, one was a, an aerial shot looking down on the hill driveway when the guys are gathered around Hank's truck with the hood open. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can see a big tree kind of in the foreground on the right. And then you, and so you had to know perspective. And I remember I, I, I majored in art in high school. And so this is kind of a sidetrack, sorry. Um, no, you're fine. And I, I remember uh, being taught perspective in high school and I loved perspective. I just love that scientific, there was a scientific formula to doing perspective that looked realistic, you know, using mm -hmm. vanishing points and horizon lines. Um, so anyway, um, there was that one and then there was, um, and then that was the easy one. Yeah. And then there was one in the kitchen it was, um, facing the back of the kitchen, that classic shot with the dining table, you know, sideways in front of you with the chairs around it and, um, getting the proportions of those cupboard doors, right. And I'm a perfectionist, so it was driving me nuts to try to get everything to fit together the way it was. And basically, we were basically trying to duplicate 
what was uh, given on a rough storyboard panel. So the storyboard artist had roughed in the background and you were supposed to do a nice version of it. Not a clean, cleaned up version, but something that overseas could trace and, you know, make perfect lines of. And then the, the third one, by far the hardest, was in the, uh, Bobby's classroom with all these desks at an angle looking at the back of the classroom. And everything, this is the other thing, and they gave just the character level. Everything had to register to your background exactly. Like, so they had all these students floating in air, sitting at desks, and you had to draw e a desk to correspond to each student perfectly so that they, it looked mm -hmm. like they were actually sitting on the desk, on the on the chair of the desk, with their feet on the floor. You know what I mean? Yeah. And at first I thought, well, this would be easy. You know, this would, I'll just do, you know, um, use perspective and do lines to a vanishing point and all the desks will line up. No, they didn't. Each desk was a little askew. So, and like I say, I, I, I didn't know enough. And it said, you know, it's okay if these are a little rough, but I didn't like, I'm not going to do them rough. I'm going to do a good job, you know? Yeah. So um, I asked my friend who had already had a job that I work with in Malibu Comics, uh, Noel Aragon. He was working at um, Deke uh, Animation at the time. And I called him. I said, God, what do I use to draw these backgrounds? I don't even know what kind of pen should I use. And he goes, I guess I just get a black razor point pen, which was at the time. I don't even think they sell them anymore, but it was like a fine point uh, felt pen, black. I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that makes a nice line, you know. So I got one of those. And, and so I draw everything in. And then on another, with the light box, with the sheets and the characters and everything, you could see through the paper, you got animation paper, um, lined everything up, and would trace the, the rough lines with my razor point pen. And I'd mm -hmm. do that kitchen, get almost to the end and go, oh, crap, I, you know, I screwed up. And I'd start over again. I did that several times. That's why I was pulling my hair out, going, I, I can't yeah. do this. I don't know how anybody can do this. Not knowing, I could have just used a pencil and erased it. it would have been fine, you know. So, um, yeah, that was the test, and uh, it was funny because toward the end of my tenure on King of the Hill, in like 2009, 2008, Phil Hayes, the background uh, supervisor, brought me a test, and he goes, he goes, "What do you think of this one?" I was thinking about hiring this guy. And I go, "Let me see," and it was a copy of my test. He was showing me. He was just playing a joke on me. He goes, "What do you think of this guy?" And I go, I looked at it and it was really kind of weird because he told me later, I was kind of pissed at him, but I go, uh, yeah, it looks, I guess, yeah, this, I think this guy would be okay, but I said, it could be better, but I think it'll be all right. <laughs> and he goes, this is your test, man. <laughs> I was like, damn you. Um, yeah. So that, that was it. But I guess it was good enough to, to get, get me in the door. And, and I have to thank Phil Hayes for, because he's the one that okayed my test and gave me the green light to get hired. So now, yeah. uh, Sean, you know Sean Cashman? Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, this it's come up a couple different times. Um, I, I think with Paul and um, maybe Glenn. I can't remember uh, everybody that came mm -hmm. that it came up with, but but Sean was in charge of teaching like all of the new guys. Yes, like yes. the story. Did did you guys have something like that? or backgrounds yes, like yeah. like a class a crash course well here's the other cool thing about that job that was still so perfect for me because i thought you know like i said i thought i was going to fail i wouldn't know what i was doing they were so patient mm -hmm. 
and then I realized I was better than some people already that were working there. So it's like no nobody was perfect. Everybody had strengths and weaknesses, but we got the job done. But uh, I learned on the job. I just asked questions, you know, how how do I do this, you know? And and we were doing like I think Glenn mentioned that we were doing the reduced storyboard, uh, kind of a mm -hmm. big storyboard. It was basically half full, half full animation. Excuse me. <clears throat> so I um, can't remember when it was, but yes, yeah, they go, we're going to go full layout. You know, they decided to spring more money for the show. And, and so Sean was put in charge of teaching us all full layout, which was such a blessing. I mean, yeah. he taught us how to do pans and to how to mark uh, the fields and everything. And the field, you know, uh, when a camera would move and stuff, camera moves and, um, um banana pans which is when you the camera's facing to the right and somebody drives by on a road you know and then the camera moves to the left with the car well the, mm -hmm. the background ends up looking like a banana because in perspective it kind of gets smaller on the sides but um yeah he taught us all that stuff and it was so fun and i was like i can't believe i'm getting paid to learn how to do you know um i can't remember the term it's not full-scale animation but um I can't remember what it's called, but anyway, it was just, you know, 12 field animation. Um, yeah. So Sean was great. And he was showing us all these, because he worked on the Simpsons. He was showing us um, examples that he had done on the Simpsons mm -hmm. of his, of his uh, layouts. And then we're, we're like, whoa, this is so great. Like Homer perfectly drawn. I mean, rough, you know, but it's just so beautiful. I just love the beauty of the layout and the, and the rough drawings of the backgrounds and the characters. So yeah, that was really cool that he taught us that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, great, he's such great a guy too. He's such a nice guy. Oh, a hundred percent. He He's hands down. One of my favorite people I've gotten to talk to because one, he's so patient Two, He's got so much knowledge up here he, he'll forget more than i'll ever be able to retain you know what i mean um and like i said it's just a cool dude um one thing that i've always been interested in uh at what point do you start because obviously all we have to do is pull out our phones and we can google any photo uh if you want to do bleach i think uh, i think sean was actually talking about he had to do bleachers maybe it was for uh hank's cowboy movie <laughs> there was something yeah. that it's just like he, he couldn't figure it out and they would go and take pictures of yeah. so at what point are you starting to build like a, a reference binder for any any of the backgrounds that oh, yeah. you might uh, be working on yeah yeah so yeah that was that was big i know it's so weird because you use the internet now back then you'd find magazines and books and stuff. I definitely bought some books uh, at the bookstore on perspective, a lot of books on perspective. And and yeah, sometimes you would just, uh, I think, I believe we had cameras and we'd go take pictures sometimes, go to the park and take mm -hmm. pictures of bleachers and things like that. And then I know in the prop department, uh, design department, they had a big bookcase just filled with magazines, like furniture yeah. magazines and, Stuff they'd use for reference, how to draw uh, phones and tables and things like that. Yeah, so yeah, reference was the thing, and um, um, it didn't have to be perfect. You know what I mean? It, mm -hmm. it, it, it just get it close. Although I will say that um, it's kind of funny because they were. I remember when I first got presented the test to do. Uh, Jay was said. Now this is realistic anime. Uh, this is realistic perspective. You know, do you know how to do realistic perspective? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, 
And they're always saying that this has got to look real. It's got to be a real world. And I get that. But in, in my mind, in my memory, it never really was that yeah. perfect. You know, just, but it, we've just got to get in the ballpark. You know what I mean? It was yeah. perfectly imperfect, if that makes any sense. Yeah. There was a and lot that, of nuances remember, to that skew. Yeah. And I remember Adriana Galvesley, background painting supervisor, when I joined the background painting department, said, um, you know, shadows, you know, you got you to think about a light source and which way is the shadow going to fall of a cactus or whatever it is. And she said, it doesn't have to be perfect. Don't worry about it if it's, you know, like if a, a shadow of a tree is a little different than the shadow of a bush or something like that she goes you just got to get it close you know so yeah well, that's really cool um now with you doing backgrounds obviously you said you had a a, a tough time with that pencil test um at what point <laughs> that first uh i guess first year did you start feeling comfortable at what point did you start feeling like okay i'm i'm good at this i can do this this is second nature well, I, I know we're going to talk about Ian Wilcox later, but I, I, I when you said that, my first thought of Ian, mm -hmm. because um, a few months into my first season is when Ian got hired, and uh, the same day that uh, Ginny Sherwood got hired, and God bless both of them because they're both gone now, but um, Ian was just like, you know, as soon as you met him, you're like, I love this guy, you know? Yeah. And so he came over to my cubicle, and he goes, oh, you know, I don't know if that's when we met, but he said, oh, can I just watch what you're doing, you know? And he was he was just so open and everything and enthusiastic. And I go, sure, you know? And and I just happened to be kind of working on a kind of a cool layout with trees and whatever, houses. And uh, I was just roughing in the back. He goes, uh, he, I go, this is how I do it. I take a blue pencil and I just rough in the backgrounds like trees. I just do a bunch of different size circles to get the general shape of the tree. And he goes, oh, this is, oh, this is really interesting. He goes, Jenny, Jenny, come here. Look at Chuck's, Chuck's showing us how to draw backgrounds. And they both got hired as background layout of people. And so Jenny, Jenny was already an experienced, you know, artist. And so she kind of came over like, huh, I know how to do this stuff, you know. I don't. But Ian was like all ears and eyes and like, yeah, yeah, show me, Chuck. This is so cool, you know. So um, that's when I thought, you know, I guess I kind of know what I'm doing now because I'm showing <laughs> a new guy how to do it, you know. Do you like Nickelodeon? Do you like whiskey or whiskey cocktails? Then you should hang out with us. I'm Ty. I'm Sean. And we run Whiskey Lodeon, the podcast. Ty, what is this podcast about? It's where we drink whiskey or whiskey cocktails while rewatching the old school Nickelodeon shows we loved growing up. And let's be honest, we go on a lot of tangents. So many tangents. Are we on a tangent right now? Yeah, I think so. Oh my gosh. Well, we got to get back. We are covering Rugrats. Hey Arnold, Are You Afraid of the Dark? All the golden greats of Nickelodeon. And these shows give us so much joy. And we want to bring you that same joy. So find us wherever you get your podcast at Whiskey Lodeon. And I got to cut you off right now because we honestly cannot afford any more ad space and it really just kind of has to end right. That's really yeah. cool. And since since we're talking about Ian, let's talk about Ian for a little bit and we'll get yeah, back sure. to, to, yeah. to Chuck and King of the Hill, man. So when, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you've uh, listened to any of these episodes with King of the Hill, man, Ian's been a huge focal point because if there's anything I love doing when somebody is sadly no longer here is remembering them through these stories um, and memories of folks like Chuck here. So when you hear that name, man, Ian, what's the first, obviously you told us that story, but is there a first thought or a first memory or a first encounter, you know, uh, with Ian? Um, 
Well, this is not too long. I remember James McDermott, actually, the guy I started with the same day, uh, telling me the story. It was Christmas time. I think it was probably Christmas time of 97. And we had a, always had a Christmas tree in, the, in the, our tiny little lobby, you know, mm -hmm. on our floor. I think it was the second floor we were on. Maybe it was the third floor. I can't remember. Um, and <laughs> James... James goes, I got to tell you this, Chuck. This is so funny. I go, what? And he goes, I saw Ian standing by the Christmas tree and, and nobody was around. He didn't know I saw him, you know? And he kind of looked around to see if anybody was looking. And he got up on his tiptoes. And James demonstrated how he leaned forward. Ian was a tall, thin, very fit guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, he leaned forward on his tiptoes and went and sniffed the tree. <laughs> like he just wanted to smell that Christmas tree. Yeah. And I can't think of anything that's more quintessential Ian Wilcox than him finding joy and sniffing a Christmas tree, you know. Um, so that was the first my first thought. And then there are a couple other things that come to mind. Um, I don't know if anybody told you that he was a writer. I don't uh, think so. To write. Yeah, he um he wrote an entire King of the Hill script. And um, passed it around. Everybody read it. It was fantastic. I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it could have totally been a great King of the Hill episode. I can't remember what it was about or anything, but he uh, he showed it to to Greg Daniels, and uh, he thought, hey, maybe they'll do it, you know. And you know, good for him. And Greg uh, read it and said, you know, this is really good. Um, but he kindly, politely told him. You know, we have to use writers that are part of the Writers Guild, and we can't just take any script from the outside, you know. And he goes, but I'm happy to try to turn you on to agents. And so I know Ian pursued writer. I don't know exactly what he did after that, but I thought, man, he's a he's a talented writer. So that's the other thing about Ian is, is um, he was so um, openly innocent and almost naive, mm -hmm. but the guy was sharp as a tack. And yeah. he was very, very deep, very intelligent. I've never met anybody like that. Um, the other story about him is um, um, in the year 2000, um, I was working in the background painting department. He was still background layout. Um, my wife of 15 years had left me one day. She just, you know, we didn't have any kids or anything. She just decided she didn't want to be married to me anymore. Totally yeah. broke my heart. It was just one of the worst experiences ever. And I was just dying, you know, and I was just, but somehow dragged myself into work every day. Thank God for that job. I think it kept me sane. Um, and then Ian very kindly came in when he knew I was suffering and, and he, and he was just very, his, just his presence, you know, he didn't say much, but he, you know, what do you say to somebody that was going through what I was going through? But he goes, he goes, you know, Chuck, um, I find I don't know if this means anything to you or it makes sense, but he goes, I find that the times in life when I'm hurting the most is when I feel most alive. Mm. And I was like, whoa. You know, my first yeah. thought was, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I didn't say that, but I said, well, thank you. And I and I thought about that for days after that. And like, what does he mean? You know? And uh after some time went by and I got through that terrible period in my life and I ended up meeting the love of my life a few months later or maybe a year and a half later, who I'm married to now, Paulette. 
um, I know what he's talking about because I, I did. I was in touch with everything. I was so acutely aware of everything because of, of mm. all the pain I was going through. You know, so so that was Ian. You know, and um, just just a lovely guy, just a lovely guy. I was so so proud to have known him. Yeah, I I've really enjoyed all the stories you guys have shared because not knowing the guy, it feels like I know a little bit about somebody that was such a huge part in not only creating my favorite show, my favorite adult show of all time, but uh, just knowing that he had a hand in helping folks like you and Glenn and Paul and all of these other guys that I've had on so far. Uh, I, I love this. I love the stories. I think my my favorite one so far was when they took his uh, Patriots flag and then took pictures of it and sent it all over. I just thought that was so cool and just him getting a big kick out of it. It just I, I could just story. see him. I could just see him there with the big <laughs> shit eating grin, you know, just happy, you know. Um, but yeah, man. So thank you for sharing those stories. Um, yeah, sure. You know, so as we as we talked about, uh, you know, your your first days meeting Ian and then you know what it was like working on King of the Hill. Um, you gave me three episodes that that stuck out to you, and all of these are really, really fun, man. Husky Bobby, Texas City Twister, and they call it Bobby Love. Which one do you want to start with first? Oh, well, I guess we'll start off with Texas City Twister because that's the first show. That's the first show where my work appeared on TV mm -hmm. in a small way because I, was, I wasn't assigned to that show, but I was helping out because it was a big episode. And... um I remember, um, God, I'm forgetting his name. One of the background layout guys, um, forgetting his name, but um, I said, "Do you need some help?" You know, and um, um, he goes, "He goes, yeah, here, draw this cornfield." You know, and it was, it was, I think it was an aerial shot. I think it was an aerial shot of the cornfield when they were driving through the road in the cornfield, and the and the wind was blowing. And he goes, "So draw draw a bunch of corn stalks and then animate it." <laughs> and I was like, dude, I have no idea how to animate corn. You know what I mean? I just barely started working here. And he goes, okay, well, just 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 draw the corn and then uh, and then I'll I'll do the animation. And I, I realized later all he meant was just draw the corn stalks uh, with the wind blowing this way and then draw, draw another position going that way. That's really all you see. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they gave me the, uh, the Megalomart when uh, Hank and bobby pull in there and he needs a fuel filter i think it was so mm -hmm. i drew the the front of the megalomart and then i do the interior but when they went in there with all the uh the cash register you know booths and everything um and i was like wow this is cool you know and this is right after i started working it because i was still waiting for my scenes on husky bobby which was the first show i was assigned to so um yeah, when I saw the animatic with my background in there, I was like, whoa, there it is. I'm doing it, you know. And then when I saw it on TV, it was the first thing that aired that I had done. I was just over the moon. Uh, and then so, yeah, so Husky, Husky Bobby was, uh, Martin Archer was directing that. And uh, <laughs> it was quite an experience. Um I was just like all, you know, I was just open to, you know, what do I do, you know? And so I was sitting in my my little cubicle, and uh, waiting for scenes, you know, to to work on. And and um, the storyboard was still being worked on. They were just that's the thing about King of the Hill. We're always behind schedule. <laughs> like American Dad that I work on now is a super 
finely tuned machine, but this thing, we're always like behind. Um, so then finally one day Martin comes in. Martin was like a biker dude, really thin, long hair, total hippie, really cool guy. I love both him and Wes, just the best guys. Um, mm. Very different, but kind of the same. And then, so, you know, I had they had kind of a Texas uh, twang to their accents. Martin comes in, sits down, cross-legged like a hippie, you know, on the floor of my cubicle with all these storyboard pages, like kind of shuffling through them, like he didn't know what to give me to work on or something. And uh, I just remember thinking, so this is working on King of the Hill. This is what it's like looking at my director sitting on the floor with long hair, just going, uh, I don't know. Oh man, you know, <laughs> and uh, so he had. Well, the, I think the first thing I worked on, I remember the very first background I did was, I think it was, was at the beginning of the show when it shows you're looking out the window and it shows some shoes on a little pedestal and you see Peggy and Hank looking in the store window with the parking yeah. lot behind them. That was my very first background. Yeah. And I just remember drawing it going, I'm drawing my first background, you know, <laughs> for the show. Whoa, you know, I can do this, you know, I can, I can draw shoes, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, so, but then, so usually they give you background designs to refer to, to draw. Like, so if you have a bunch of scenes in the department store where, you know, they were shopping for clothes for Bobby, they're, you know, detailed, um, background designs you look at okay okay peggy's standing over here by this coat rack i'll draw that coat rack you know and then this shelf should be over here and then oh you can see the ceiling here well they they had he had one background design of the department store kind of looking down on it and that was it and he goes i don't like this design so just make it up so not only was i doing background layout but i was literally designing the backgrounds as i went not knowing what the hell I was doing, barely. I mean, he goes, just draw a bunch of shirts, you know, hang in. <laughs> yeah. So if you look at, the, if I look, I look at those backgrounds now I did in, on the interior of the department store, I'm like, man, those are not really happening. You know, there's just like, there's nothing on the walls because I didn't know what to put on the walls. And, but um, yeah, so that was Husky Bobby. And, it, and it's such a funny show too. Um, oh, it's got one of the best lines of all time. When What's him, that? when he comes, when he comes back in, and I think he's with Luann, he goes, Dad, a man took pictures of me at the mall. I fucking fall. Like, every time I see it, because I can just imagine, hey, what? <laughs> you know, just it, like I said, it, it's just, it's such a fun episode. Um, and being a Husky guy, man, I kind of felt for, you know, you feel for these characters because uh, you feel real. So being yeah. a Husky kid, yeah. I'm like, oh, man, I... Yeah. I know what that felt like having to go to the bigger sizes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it hit on a different level. And like I said, That's this is beautiful. such a fun episode. And yeah. when you're working on this one, what was it like seeing your name in the credits for the first time? Oh, that was so thrilling. Um, really yeah. thrilling. And uh, I think the credits went by a little bit slower back then because I, I could actually <laughs> see my name did. and catch it. Um. It was amazing. Um, I still get a thrill from that. Mm -hmm. And and I will tell you this little story. Years later, um, I wasn't seeing my name in the credits. All of a sudden, yeah. I don't know why. This is when I was doing the background painting. Because in those days, when you did the background layout, you worked on every 
fourth show of the season. So you worked on a, a hand, like five, four or five shows per one season. You can only see your name in the credits of those shows that you worked on. But in the background painting department, every single show had my name. <laughs> it's yeah. like a little bit of an ego trip. You know, oh, I was proud, you know. You should um, be. And then, <laughs> thanks. And and so one time I wasn't seeing my name in the credits. I was like, should I say something? <laughs> I felt kind of kind of shy about it. But I went up to Melissa, the producer, and I go, Melissa, is there some reason my name's not in the credits? <laughs> um, and there's always that paranoia of working on the show, too, because you, you'd work for 10 months and you'd be uh, take a two-month hiatus. Are they going to ask me back? You know, every yeah. season you're like, are they are they going to ask me back? So I go, is there something I should know? You know? And then she rolled her eyes. <laughs> oh my God, I felt like two foot tall. All right, as we take a pause for the cause, if you haven't yet, you should check us out on all social media platforms by searching at In My Head Pod. There you can see who we've got coming on, and if you feel so inclined to, you could submit a question to be asked. Now, let's get back to the show. I go, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make a big deal out of it, but I just want to see my name in the credits, you know? And she goes, I'll look into it, you know. Um, but uh, and then it, my name got back in the credits. Did you ever find yeah. out why it came out? No, I don't know. I do know that on one of the DVDs, I think it was the, one of the DVD seasons that came out. They spelled my name Chick. They call me Chick Maiden <laughs> instead of Chuck Maiden. And so a long time, everybody teased me and called me Chick. Um, you should get that as a tattoo, Chick Maiden. That's a pretty <laughs> badass name. <laughs> I kind of like it, yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah, that's a great Iron Maiden cover band right there. Chick Maiden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, with then, uh, yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna. Was there another show? Oh, the other show was um Bobby Love. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, they call it Bobby Love. Yeah, and that was our first and only Emmy win, I think. Um, mm. And I just happened to do backgrounds on that episode. And uh, it's it's there are a few episodes that made me cry, and that was one when Bobby goes out in the street and says, "What are you talking about? What are you talking yeah. about?" <laughs> Walking around, that that breaks me up every time I see that. I just feel he's crying. Mm -hmm. Ah, because everybody knows that feeling of heartache and heartbreak, yes. you know. So um, and that that was and that was with Cindy Tang, who was by far the most organized director I ever worked with, nine to five every single day. She was in at nine out of five, you know, just that's very dedication organized. and commitment right there. I, I yeah, like that. She was a lot. Really, yeah. She was really great to work with and really good director too. I think uh, I'll show you my t-shirt. Uh, I've showed it a few times, but uh, it's the Bobby goes nuts, Bobby Hill self-defense <laughs> and he's kicking him right in the nuts. I believe she, uh, I believe she directed uh, Bobby goes nuts. And he keeps um, kicking on... people in the nuts. Yeah. 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 It, it might be my favorite episode of all time, but since we're talking, uh, they call it Bobby love. Um, what I love about this one is like you just mentioned, like everybody knows heartbreak, everybody knows that pain and you guys like nailed it on just the writing, the animation, the backgrounds, the music, like everything. It, it's what it feels like to have your heart broken, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Um, now with this one in particular, was there, well, through all the shows that you worked on with, with King of the Hill, is there one or two 
background styles that you loved working in, which you like working outside, which you like working inside, Megalomart, you know, uh, Strickland Propane. What was something that you enjoyed working with the most? Well, as far as background layout goes, because I was drawing the backgrounds, um, I did love perspective, so I love doing buildings because um, you could um, you could use the perspective to make it look cool. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Make it look real. And I loved all the angles and the the horizon lines. And I found I I got pretty good at. Um, Perspective is just so damn interesting to me because you take a mm -hmm. horizon line, which is basically your eye level. Like if you look out at the ocean, you see the horizon, that's your horizon mm -hmm. line. If you go up in a plane, that horizon line rises. You know, yeah. if you get down on the ground, it's really low, you know. So um so I love doing buildings. Um I, I love really drawing anything. The only thing that was really hard and for background painting or drawing. And the only thing you never want to do is a shoot supermarket shelves with tons yeah. of products on them. <laughs> it's tedious. It's time consuming. It's boring. Um, you know, as boring as working in animation could be. Cause yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I love nature too, drawing trees and just, I love all of it really, you know, really just love all of it. Yeah, I think you've heard in, in quite a few of my episodes that backgrounds are where it's at for me. I love world building mm -hmm. and what you guys would do just by, I think I told in the Sean Cashman episode, but like that scene where you would have um, keeping up with the Joneses, so them addicted to cigarettes and stuff, that aerial shot that was done with the mosquito going around, I think is like one of the most underrated anythings I've ever seen in my life. It is breathtaking going on a journey like a mosquito and watching his mom smoke and then it ends with watching bobby smoke it's just something oh. so magical and then the color schemes that you guys would use for the background painting the purples and the pinks and the blues at nighttime those nighttime shots of the oh. skies were just breathtaking like i look at those and i'm like those should be hanging up in a museum those background cells right there should be hanging up in a museum for somebody to appreciate because like i said you guys just absolutely crush it so the backgrounds on this are, yes. are some of my favorite of anything i've ever watched well we use uh we use these watercolors called dr martin dyes and they just came mm -hmm. in little bottles and um painted on this great arches watercolor paper and I hadn't painted with watercolor since I was in high school. So that that was another scary step up uh, going to the background painting department because I was like, watercolors, oh my God, you know. Yeah. And if you've ever, you know, you probably remember in school, watercolors, they just run into each other and, mm -hmm. and be messy real quick. Um, But those colors are amazing in the, those little bottles. And um, and it was it was tough to learn that skill. Um, but I did him with my friend Young Kim, uh, who I'm still really close to. I, I just saw him a few days ago. Um, he's from Korea, a long career in animation, such a skilled artist. He works on Family Guy as a layout artist now. But I go, man, how do you do such a good? Because they wanted these perfect gradations, you know, like you do a lawn, like the grass in the hill yard, um, front yard, backyard, and you'd have to. They want a little bit dark in the back, but it had to blend really smoothly. That's really hard mm -hmm. to do with watercolors, and it took me a while to, to learn that skill. And finally, I said, I'm just going to sit and watch you for an hour, Young, and see how you work. 
I said, I don't know how, how you get such perfect gradations, you know. And I watched it and it was all in the water like you would you basically we would get we would Xerox the design onto run watercolor paper through a copy machine and you'd see the line art Xeroxed mm. onto the, you know, onto the uh, watercolor paper. And then you you would literally go in, in there and if you were gonna draw uh, paint the lawn, for instance. You would just coat that section of the drawing with water first and let it soak in. And it's all in the amount of water you use and how long you let it soak in. <laughs> and then you yeah. just gradually start adding paint mixed with water and just gradually get it darker and darker and darker. Um, but watching him work, he was just a master. And I was like, oh, I see how you're doing. It's the water. It's the amount mm. of water you use. Anyway, so yeah, it was fun, fun using those paints. Ladies and gentlemen, you just got a little tip in there for when you're using watercolors, man. Saturate <laughs> that paper just a touch. Um, you know, as we uh, trans transition out of the uh, King of the Hill talk, man, I'd be remiss not to bring up American Dad. Now, I've told you before we hit record, I am not uh, as well-versed in American Dad as I am in um, King of the Hill. It's back and mm -hmm. forwards, I can talk King of the Hill. Um, but if there's one thing I love, what's well, two things I love uh, in American Dad, it's Roger and Klaus the fish, man. I love these two. I told you before we hit record, I really think that these guys should have a buddy cop series. I mean, I, I think there's some of the funniest characters <laughs> I've ever gotten to see and see how they interact Thanks. with each other is just fascinating. Um, so yeah. let's start same way we did with King of the Hill, man. Um, yeah. Actually, before we skid off King of the Hill, one more second, I got I to gotta yeah. ask you this question. Um, so when you think of King of the Hill and you summarize your entire work experience with King of the Hill, man, is there one word, one phrase, one sentence that you would think of when you go, what was your King of the Hill experience like? Grateful. Grateful. Just so damn grateful for the whole experience. Um, it wasn't all peaches and creams. I mean, you know, like any, any workplace or you have problems with personalities here and there and stuff like that. But all for the, on the whole, it was just such a gratifying, fulfilling experience. And uh, as somebody who tried to make it as a singer-songwriter, you know, in rock and everything, um, I thought, you know what? I get to entertain, I I get to be part of making people feel good, you know. Mm. It was just so great to just be a little part of that, you know. And I hear about your experience with it, and it really touches me that just something we did as a job, you know, made a difference, you know, in people's lives. So, yeah, just grateful for the experience. And I'm grateful for uh, getting to experience what you guys experienced, man, because like I said, King of the Hill. There, I can't say one bad thing. The only thing I can say bad about it is uh, I wish it never ended. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing for everybody. I wish it was still going. I'm glad it's coming back. Uh, I can't yeah. wait to see what they're going to do. I'm, I'm very Me excited too. for it. Me too. You know. So um, as we transition in American Dad, man, uh, Roger Klaus, how did you get on? Uh, how did you get on American Dad before we go down okay, that rabbit so, hole? Yeah. So American Dad was. Um, so I um, when American uh, when uh, King of the Hill ended, I um, got laid off, of course. Uh, I think it was in January of 97. Luckily, I was one of the last people to go because the background painting department is the last part of the production chain. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, January of 2009. Um, I was like, what am I going to do? You know, and uh, I couldn't get arrested. So I was out of work for a good 10 months mm -hmm. and got to where I was looking for regular jobs. And that was kind of a bummer. But um, finally... I got a job for a short time as a colorist on Marvel's Superhero Squad, which was just a weird little show that was on for a short time. There's little squat versions of the Marvel characters. 
Um, yeah, my kids watch it still. Yeah, yeah. my kids are still really? watching. Yeah, my kids That's are still watching cool. it. Yeah, you know, it was a fun little show. It really was. I was mm -hmm. the only colorist on the whole show, and it so it was a lot of work. But um, uh, I'm trying to remember, um, Mitch, uh, Mitch, the supervising director. He created Angry Beavers. Mitch Shower. I don't know if I'm getting his name right. He was a great guy. So fun to work with. Love that guy. Um, so I work I worked on that for a few months. This was after being out of work for 10 months after King of the Hill. And then my buddy Mickey Rose, who used to I used to work with a, a Malibu comics, and this is a good lesson in networking with people you work with and keeping in touch with them. Um, I checked in with him once in a while when I was looking for work. And he goes, Well, we're not looking for anybody right now on American Dad, you know, but because he was the uh he still is the uh, color supervisor in American Dad. And then finally an opening came up and he, he gave me the call and said, yeah, you know, so uh, did a test, you know, and got hired on American Dad. And I was just so happy. And um, American Dad has just been a great, great experience. King of the Hill was amazing too. But the thing I love about American Dad is besides them being super tight and organized is um, that uh, we get to work in the same building as the writers and the creator yeah. and i work with matt, matt weitzman you know i'd see him every two weeks he'd re review the color with me hands-on you know um and the and the writers sit in on the color review meetings too so i get to get to know the writers they do the voices there you know of course it's different now now that uh, covid hit and we're a lot of us are working from home and stuff but um yeah, so so that was very thrilling uh, getting on American Dad. It's just been a blessed experience. Just been so yeah. lucky to be part of two huge animated shows. It just, you know, and I've seen a lot of people in the business just jump from show to show to show to show, you know. Uh, so I've been really lucky that I've just worked on a few. And I got to work on Cosmos, too, one year, because uh, um, and designing and painting the backgrounds for Cosmos, uh, Possible Worlds, because Andrew uh, Brando, uh, one of our color designers, uh, was the art director for that. So that was fun. Um, did you get to do the one that Neil yeah. deGrasse Tyson did, that Cosmos? Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, wow, it that's the, really it, it cool. Was the most yeah, it was the most recent. He, he worked on all the... Uh, and we worked with Carl Sagan's wife, um, Anne. Um, mm -hmm. She was in charge of the whole thing. Um, so that was great, you know, uh, really interesting work. And uh, so um, I don't miss the drive down to L.A. where the office was. That we had was <laughs> but uh, yeah, so work from home now, which is really cool. But I do miss all the people. But we had a really cool Christmas party recently. Got to see everybody. Well, that's really cool, man. It, it, it's something special when you can uh, regroup with that community. And, uh, you know, I didn't even know about Cosmos, man. Um, I've never been more terrified stoned in my life than watching Neil deGrasse Tyson tell me about an impact that could possibly happen within anywhere from now to the next 2000 years. So you had a, you had a part in, in making my childhood fun, but you've also had a part in making my adulthood terrifying. Chuck. A nightmare. Yeah. That's hilarious. Well, that's um, so and I looked up his, I looked up his name while you were talking. I, I'm I'm not going to be able to pronounce it. S C H A U E R shower share. Yes. Yes. Uh, Mitch. Mitch. Yeah. Yeah. Angry beavers, man. That was such a fun show. Like, uh, 
there's a couple shows that my brother and I watched when we were younger um, that was like a ceasefire type of thing. Uh, SWAT Cats uh, in the early 90s with uh, on Cartoon Network and then Angry Beavers because we were so much like both of them. Both had the same type of personality. So it was funny seeing us animated. It felt like it was a show for us, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. Or a show about us. Yeah, I, I actually never saw Angry Beavers, but I was aware of it. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you'd, you'd meet Mitch, he's just such a fun. And it, the thing Mitch taught me was not to take anything seriously because he yeah. was like that. Like I go, should I do, you know, I, I colored the 3D objects, we props and stuff too that we animated and and to do all these highlights and shadows. I go, is Korea going to be able to to do this? And he goes, let them worry about it. <laughs> He'd always say things like that. Passing like, that buck it. down the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. So American Dad. Now, obviously, this is, I, I don't want to say it's like a huge jump from King of the Hill to American Dad, but it's definitely a different, <laughs> kind of. it's definitely a different style, you know? Um, yeah. You're you're not doing so much, uh, you know, Texas, you're doing more, you know, Langley and Virginia and that area and the CIA type of stuff. So what were some of your favorite backgrounds that you've gotten to work on American Dad? I got to imagine one or two stick out to you. Oh, my God. There are so many, Julian. I, I It's mind-boggling. I, yeah. I have my folders in my box folder of every show I've worked on since season six. I've been on the show. And now we just are in the middle of season 18. Um, um, and truly mind-boggling. Uh, so many. Um, there's one background, you know, it's hard to be satisfied with. You know, it's really hard. to Maybe as a chef, you understand. It's really hard to, you have those moments where you're like, yeah, I nailed that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then a lot of times you're like, that could have been better, you know. Every um, time it could be better. <laughs> <laughs> but that one episode when they went on vacation and, and the, uh, the, um, uh, uh, Stan, I was going to say Hank, Stan was supposed to be assassinating somebody and, and uh, yes. they were up in a balloon flying over some mountains. And I painted all those uh, green covered island mountains. And I was like, those came out pretty good. So that, yeah. was, that was fun working on that. Um, anything with neat lighting, you know, like, especially dark lighting and mm -hmm. um i don't know interesting lighting uh there's just so many i don't know i just i just love it all i just you know whatever it is yeah it, it's uh like i said it's such a fun show um, and american have... dad was uh it, it first of all i resented this show because to me it was part of the reason king of the hill got canceled shows like family guy and american dad mm -hmm. they're like i was like I kind of had a resentment to him. Like they're the reasons we're not on the air anymore. We can't compete yeah. with that crap, you know? And I never even watched them, you know? And then I, after King of the Hill, of course, and, and then of course, working on American dad, at first I was horrified by all the blood and gore and everything in it. And, Cause I'm, I'm just kind of a Mayberry kind of a guy, you know, yeah. I'm not really into violence and stuff, although I've gotten less uh, sensitive to it, but. I was like, oh my God, that guy, guy's head just got chopped off and all the blood came gushing. Oh my God, you know. But it's but it's funny, you know. Yeah. Um, so I really got it. Now I'm totally into the humor of the show. I love all the characters. And like you say, Roger and Klaus are great. I love Jeff. I, I love all the characters really. Um, and I've I've gotten to meet a bunch of the people who do the voices, and they're all super nice people. Um that's the other neat thing about American Dad, where you get to go to the table reads and see. Yeah. We never did that on King of the Hill, you know. We get to see the voice actors. And Patrick Stewart showed up at the studio one day, which he never did. 
um, mm -hmm. to do the table read. He, for this one table read, because he was a big part of it, and he was uh, available, he came in to do the table read. And that room, it was just in a conference room on the Family Guy side, and it was just packed. It was just like, so you get to see a bunch of famous people at the studio and um, thrilling, just really thrilling. Um, and and to see Seth, I'm I'm lucky. He, he, he stopped coming in to do table reads around the time he started directing Ted. But I got to see him at several table reads. I got to see him do a Family Guy table read, which was fun. The guy was just, and it just made me appreciate his talent. Because he would be doing, Stan, having a conversation with Roger, going back and forth with the voices, like just snapping his fingers like it was nothing. Yeah. Just rapid fire speech, you know, reading from a page in the script and going, whoa, this guy's on level, you know. And a very shy guy, just like Mike Judge, just very kind of mm -hmm. shy. They're kind of shy people, uh, which is kind of weird, but um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know where we're going with this, but. <laughs> oh, no, no, you're, you're, you're fine. Uh, that, that's my job anyway. That's my job, anyways, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. I got you. Um, it, it it's it's crazy hearing that story because when you were saying, you know, Seth would just go one character to the next. The first thing I thought of before you said it was Mike Judge because there's been a couple times where people have done the table reads and they say him going from Hank to Boomhart, and I can't remember who said it, but he was like, Mike was so good at doing people doing the characters so he would be like somebody an accountant let's just say his name is jim jim an accountant can do a hank he could do a jim doing a hank but it was mike judge doing jim right. doing hank you I know heard and it was just so fascinating <laughs> and i'm just sitting there thinking like holy shit these guys are oh, so right. great it was one you... of the writers yeah one of the writers was doing hanks for the for the mm -hmm. sub on the on the recording and he found yeah. himself imitating the writer doing hanks. yes oh that's so funny yeah, yeah, it's just insane. Just the the level of tech technique and the level of talent it takes to just write or draw, and then you add in now you got to do voice acting. It's just so amazing that these guys, you know, Mike, Mike in particular, because I I don't know if Seth draws or any, I have to imagine he does a little bit. Yeah, he, I think he's yeah, done. Bit, yeah, yeah, because yeah, I know he did good. Cow and Chicken when he when he first got on. They picked him up from from uh, what was it? New Hampshire or Maine, somewhere in the Northeast, uh, you know, his, 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 um, uh, his animation school or art school, um, oh, up right, there. Right. Oh, Rhode Island. Uh, yes. Rhode Island. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know he had did some, and I just couldn't remember if he was writing or, or animating, but you see Mike does, he does a little bit of music. He does this, he does that. And it's just like, dude, is yeah. there anything you two can't do? You guys are both handsome men. You both can write. You both have these great voices. Like, what can't you do now, Mike? What can't you do now, Seth? So, yeah, man, yeah. never, never can sing those two praise those 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 two guys' praises enough. Um, with American Dad, is there one or two episodes that stick out the most to you as far as like what you're super proud of? Obviously, you said those mountains, but is there one or two episodes that stick out? Oh, let's see. Well, I know the Christmas episodes are always the biggest. <laughs> Because you usually get overtime for those, because um, all those elves murdering elves and, um, <laughs> I, I, um, gosh, you know I'm just drawing a blank. I'm sorry. Um, they're That's just all right. it'll come to you after we and, end it. And, and the, here's the thing about American Dad and King of the Hill too. Just about every single episode is just knocked out of the park. I mean, those mm -hmm. writers are amazing. And to me, the show keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, 
So I, 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 yeah, I just, they're all great. And, and, and it's funny, but even to this day, I'm not jaded. I mean, every episode I work on, I'm like, I'm working on an episode that's going to yeah. be around for decades. You know, the people are going to see yeah. 50, maybe a hundred years from now and maybe laugh at, you know, this is so crazy. It's, and each episode seems like a, it sounds like I'm uh, bluffing it up, but is like a classic, you know, and mm-hmm. like, so these are the good old days, you know, that's the way I, I like to look at it. And I have no plans to retire, by the way, as long as American dad will have me and I can lift my hand to, you know, to the computer, to the screen, I, I'll keep doing it, you know, because I, I just really love my work. That's good. And we can tell when you guys really love your work. We can tell when you guys are phoning it in and you guys are just done. And we can tell when you really love in your work. Oh, we all have those and days. We all have those days. <laughs> boy, oh boy, do we. But you guys are pretty good at hiding it because I see joy and I see excitement <laughs> when I watch these shows. Now, with this one in particular, I might get a little flack for this one. But I've said it for many, many years now that I think when it comes to two shows in particular, and I'll draw these correlations, you know, Family Guy and American Dad. I hold fan, uh, not family. I should. I hold American Dad up here because the same way that 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 Family Guy, like Family Guy, was where Seth started. You know, that was where his his career of his solo creation started with Family Guy. And I really feel yeah, like he had already sure. knew what he wanted for an art style. He already knew what he wanted for a voice cast. He already knew the anim- the animation, the writing, and everything. He already knew. He learned that. He took his bumps and bruises with Family Guy, and he took this perfection that is. American dad. And he was like, I know where I'm at. I know where I'm going and I know where I want to go because I've already seen this whole flush out with family guy. So I really feel like he is hitting at a level with, with American dad, because he already took, like I said, he took those falls. He took those bumps and bruises with family guy and he knows where he's going. Family guy is dialed in now. They, they knock it out of the park every episode. The same thing with American dad, but I've always found American dad just this much funnier because of those two characters, Roger and Klaus Um, and all the characters in general, they're just amazing characters. Um, Same concept or same, excuse me, same question that I asked you for, for uh, King of the Hill, man, when you think of American Dad, is there one word, one phrase, one sentence that comes to mind when uh, American Dad comes up for you? More grateful. <laughs> More I, grateful. I, that's all I can think of because um, I really, Julian, I, I, I look back, I've been working in animation for 25 years. And for this old guy, you know, who got into animation in his 40s, like, how did this happen? You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, it, it's... Uh, uh, just a gift from the universe or whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, and I, I think it just goes to, sh- to show if nothing else, um, you know, we all know that life is so haphazard. We never know what's coming from the left or the right. And uh, um, for, for something like that to happen in my life is just, all I can chalk it up to is, um, putting myself out there because if i hadn't tried to take that test on king of the hill or if i threw it in the trash none of this would happen you know mm. um so i put myself out there just enough to let it happen you know and when it was ready to happen it did happen um i i i don't know if you want to call it fate or whatever but um yeah so american dad his um I just thank Mickey. He's the one, you know, my buddy from Malibu Comics, you know, he was 25. I was, I was, uh, what, 40 when I started working there. And, um, 
here we are, you know, getting older and, and this still, still doing, we both, you know, talk about it. We both like, wow, look, we learned Photoshop and look what happened. <laughs> it's like, this is so cool. You know what we get to do. Um, yeah. So I still, I still work on my music. I mean, I still have my music dream. I, of course, I'm not going to be Bruce Springsteen or anything like that, but I still work on my music. I still take classes. I still learn. Um, I love doing the animation, but I, I love working on my music. I have my studio here. I've learned Pro Tools. I've gotten pretty good. I had a bunch of songs signed in the last few years um, to publishers. I'm trying to get into music and TV and film. That's my passion right now, uh, what I'm trying to go for. Uh, I just have fun creating and just, and I think you're like that as a chef, you know, you just, you enjoy creating, you know. Yes. Is it hard? Do you have tough days? Sure, you know, but, um, you're doing something you're good at, you know, you, mm -hmm. you, you have this talent, you know, um, I don't think of myself as particularly talented. I just find myself, um, just doing stuff I love doing, you know, and I think that's where the magic happens. And I think it's just really just trying to enjoy doing the work and doing the, doing the, uh, it's really child's play really when you get down to it, just creating and being creative and, and, uh, it's like, Oh, they want to pay me to do this okay you know cool you know yeah. uh and so yeah i i i wanted to be an artist when i was a teenager that was my dream originally and i thought i don't think i can make any money doing it you know because that's what all my friends were saying you're not gonna you're gonna starve you're gonna you know the old cliche you're gonna be a starving artist and all that mm -hmm. um you know don't listen to the naysayers anything's possible so and i i think maybe there there's a um a future for you as an artist too i can see it because I, I can see you have a passion for it. And I think you should pursue it. Uh, I if mean, it's, to. yeah, it's, <laughs> may, maybe I'll look back and I'll I'll pull the Chuck Maiden and, and in 11 years, <laughs> I'll try to break it. When you said you were 43 or 45 when you broke in? 43. Oh, shit, Chuck. I've only got nine, was it nine years? I'm, I suck at math. Yeah, I've only got nine years, so I need to start, <laughs> I need to start getting into it. Um, no, but it's something, it's something that I, I think is very poignant that you said, man. It's uh, just being in any kind of creative field, having that need to get yeah. whatever it is out of you. You know, it's the, it's the difference. It's like, I've got this, this energy. I need to put it into something that's, that's beneficial, something that I'm good at. And that's what, uh, that's what cooking is for me. I've got this need to want to please. I've got this need yes. to, you ever seen Ratatouille? The movie Ratatouille? Oh, I love, I love that movie. Love it. So I'll I'll uh, I'll end it I'll end my side with this one man but that that scene where ego is eating ratat the ratatouille at the end when Remy serves it to him and he takes that first bite and he drops that fork and he's transported that's the that's the 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 thing every cook every chef every whatever you want to call yourself in this industry they chase that they chase that one feeling right there um, mm. you know so we're it's okay. like we're always looking we're always chasing that dragon in a sense we're always looking for that next fork drop yes. that's what we want yeah. that's what we aspire to yeah the joy of life yeah absolutely, absolutely. the joy of that's cooking a great is uh, you do yeah. Yeah, the joy of cooking is what Julia Childs would call it, and she's one of my biggest inspirations in the world, man. Um, well, like I said, Chuck, this is uh, this has been a very, 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 very long time coming, ladies and gentlemen. We've tried to get this one done for a couple months now, and it's just every every step of the way something came up on my side. But I'm glad we got to sit down and talk because it's been a real blast. Oh, me too. I have just loved it. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this, and it's it's even better than I thought it would be. So, thank you, Julian. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate those kind words. Now, for the ladies and gentlemen that might not know, 
where can they find Chuck on the old social media so they can come and see what you're doing? Oh crap. Um, well, <laughs> Those links will be on... in the bottom below. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have some music on Spotify and Apple music okay. and wherever you get your music. <laughs> I've got a couple albums under my name, Chuck Maiden, just like Iron Maiden, M-A-I-D-E-N. Um, so yeah, I've got some music out there and, uh, and uh, you can find me on Facebook, you know, Instagram. Just look, just type in my name. And I don't think there are too many Chuck Maidens out there, but <laughs> yeah, I'd love to connect with you. I'd uh, love to talk to anybody who's interested and in any, have any questions or anything. Absolutely. If, ladies and gentlemen, if you see somebody named Chick Maiden, you're in the wrong spot. You're looking for <laughs> Chuck Maiden. Those links will be in the description of the audio and video down below. Well, like I said, Chuck, man, this has been a real blast. I can't wait to do it again. He's been Chuck. I've been Julian. It's been a What's My Head podcast, and this has been another piece of your childhood. Good night. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. Before we go, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with the podcast today. I truly appreciate every download and listen we get. If you're liking what we're doing, Drop us a five-star rating, drop us a review, tell a friend, and I'll see you next week.